Hey folks, how's it going? You're probably a little confused right now. You're like, Mason, you don't post Adventure Sports Podcast episodes on Wednesdays. And what is this logo that we see? Uh, yeah, you'd be right. We're going to go back to normal episodes tomorrow. But we wanted to tell you about a new show that is out. We're just going to feature it here. We're going to play one of their episodes. And it's called the Atlas Obscura Podcast. And it, it, basically, it's a show made by Witness Docs and by the Travel and Experiences Company. You guessed it, Atlas Obscura. You may have heard of them. The podcast is hosted by Atlas Obscura co-founder Dylan Thuris. He and some other contributors will take your ears on an audio journey to discover new, strange, and really bizarre, wondrous places all over the world. And the best part, which is you know different than ASP episodes, is that they play episodes every single day in their 15 minutes or less. So if you got a short drive or a walk or you're just doing the dishes or something, great thing to plug into on a daily basis. Obviously, still listen to Adventure Sports Podcast, but we wanted to highlight this really cool new show that's out that goes into some, some interesting stories out there in the world. And, and that's honestly what I love really about these episodes is they're very short, uh, very interesting, and really well produced. Maybe the exact opposite of most adventure sports podcast episodes. Now I'm just playing. I think we're 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 all those things. Just we're we're long. We're longer episodes. Um, so if if you like travel or you're missing travel or you want to you know get into some more interesting, strange, bizarre topics about traveling around the world and different places around the world that are very interesting. You're really going to like this show, and today we're going to play one of their episodes. So I hope you enjoy, and you will be hearing from us tomorrow with a regular episode for Adventure Sports Podcast. They left the town just as they built it, and it may well stay that way for the next 500 years. What are we going to leave behind? What will be left standing when we're no longer here? Our cities, our landfills? What will humanity's legacy be once we're gone? On the archipelago of Svalbard, floating between Norway and the North Pole, an abandoned Soviet mining town sits frozen in time and in ice. It's called Pyramided, like the pyramids. And like the pyramids, scientists believe that this town will be preserved for a long, long time, thanks to the Arctic climate. A legacy of sorts. I'm Dylan Thuris, and this is Atlas Obscura, a celebration of the world's strange, incredible, and wondrous places. Today, we're visiting this ghost town, out there under the northern lights, way out in the middle of the Arctic Sea. Who built Pyramid? And why did they leave? On Svalbard, chances are pretty good you'll run into a reindeer before you find another person. Svalbard is an archipelago made up of nine islands, and it sits at a kind of crossroads. Greenland to the west, Russia to the east, Scandinavia to the south, and the vast expanse of the Arctic Ocean to the north. For centuries, no nation on Earth had officially claimed the islands, so sailors from all over freely used it as a base. Norway was finally granted it in 1920, but then they left it open to other countries for development. And that's where the Soviets came in. They came to the town in 1927, named it for the pyramid-shaped mountain visible in the distance, and they started mining. And it was a, a contract 
town. Uh, most of the people were there for uh, like two years, perhaps four. That's Hein Bjerk. For years, he was Norway's cultural heritage officer for the Svalbard region. Though Pyramiden was built up with many of the same drab block-style buildings of the motherland, it was far more than just a charmless gulag. The town is full of interesting things to see, and I think uh, a person from uh, from the West would surely notice this difference. It had a plush movie house. It boasted the world's northernmost grand piano, and most notably, it had a tavern decorated with more than 5,000 empty, colorful glass bottles. Then they had a greenhouse with parsley and onions and salad and uh, many of those fresh things. It was quite impressive how they how they managed to uh, to have a kind of a system going there with growing food up in the barren north. It was kind of a self-sufficient society. Uh, very little was uh, disposed of in the garbage dump, and most of the garbage was <laughs> organic, uh, made into. Uh, compost, and it was fed to the animals, the pigs, the chickens. So it's quite impressive how, how they make this. Not because they were primarily occupied with the environment, but because it paid to do that way. And then, one day, just like that, there are no human beings there at all. The, the coal, Russian coal mining, mining company, they they quit uh, in 1998. At that time, there was, a, there was nobody there. It was a very abrupt process. Of course, it has to do with the Soviet Union that was dissolved in the 1990s. They speeded up the process. So... Uh, we didn't know from one year to the next that they were actually going to be to be gone. So we were a bit surprised, I remember. <laughs> the town were left for eight years and, you know, it was... Uh, the seabirds had moved in and made nests in all the windowsills and uh, mm. it was dusty and the paint was flaking and... Uh, He's describing what Pyramiden looked like when he went back there in 2006. And they, they were polar bears. We could see the tracks in the in mud in, in different parts of town. Polar bears patrolling the empty streets, rummaging in the empty rooms. It was all still there. The piano, the bar, the theater. Just the people were missing. Unless you count the statue of Vladimir Lenin, who presides over the otherwise empty streets of Pyramiden. On the walls, there was this calendars, and they were crossed off mm. the days, you know, counted down. <laughs> These two years were over, and they should go back. And the pictures on, on the walls of the things that were not in Baron Svalbard, but uh, uh, pets, dogs, mm. uh, nice rivers and woods. And uh, you can sense the longing for Ukraine and Russia, where those people come from, where they have their kids and their relatives. Uh, isolation must have, has been taking its toll, I think. Mm-hmm. 
These days, after nearly 20 years in the dark, Pyramiden is once again home to people. This time it's tourists, not miners. And the town is accessible for visits between May and October. It has armed guards to protect against polar bears, and there's even a hotel retrofitted from one of the Soviet bloc buildings. There are also permanent residents, six people who tend to the tourists, including one metalhead who deemed himself the world's most northern headbanger. But traveling to Pyramiden remains a difficult trip. You have to take a flight from Oslo to Svalbard, and then you can get there by boat in the summer or snowmobile in the winter. But the trip may be worth it. It's essentially time travel, an untouched portal into a past that no longer exists, or to a future yet to come. The Atlas Obscura podcast is out now. Four days a week, Monday through Thursday, you'll get a brand new episode, no longer than 15 minutes. A new wonder, every day. Subscribe on Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, Pandora, or wherever you listen. Witness Docs from Stitcher.